12th, 2021. I'm Avery Foley. I'm here with Roger Patterson. Hello. And Brian Osborne. Hey, guys. And um, we've got a live studio audience. You want to clap and say hello to all our online viewers? Yeah, so glad you're here. All right, we got a couple things to talk about here as people jump online. Uh, first, I want to mention our Creation College Expo coming November 4th through the 6th mm -hmm. to the Answer Center at the Ark Encounter. This is always a super fun event. We have a bunch of different um, colleges that take a stand on Genesis, on um, the age of the earth, uh, global Bi flood, things like that, biblical authority, mm -hmm. and they come to the Answer Center at the Ark Encounter to do an expo so um, high school students can come and learn more um, about those the different programs they offer and things. Uh, a really great event, and everyone who attends all of the high school students that sign up and attend get free admission to the Ark Encounter as well. So pretty nice. And it's a free event. So yeah. And this is a, a number that is dwindling all the time. The number of colleges mm -hmm. who are willing to take a stand on the That's authority right. of Genesis and speak to these things uh, from a young earth perspective. Mm -hmm. And so here's a great opportunity for you as parents to find out who those schools are. Mm -hmm. Now we know that some are going to choose different paths and, and um, be willing to send your students into a public university where they're going to be taught those other ideas. And, and we know there are dangers there, but mm -hmm. that's a, that's a path people can take. So this is a way where you can recognize those colleges that are going to be a place where those truths you've probably instilled in your kids have, are going to be reinforced mm -hmm. as they continue through their college education. Mm -hmm. It's a great resource for that. And we do have a website called creationcolleges.org. Org. Yep. You can go there and find a list of colleges who will take a stand to mm -hmm. one degree or another on biblical And we often authority. get asked, why isn't this college on there? Why isn't that That's college right. on there? Usually it's because they wouldn't sign our statement, statement on creation. Yeah. Yeah. And ironically, um, so it's usually the Bible department, not the science department, yes, that's the holdout in Often, that area. Yeah, yeah. So be sure to check out creationcollegeexpo.org if that sounds like something that your high school student would enjoy, or check out the Creation College's website um, if you're unable to make it to that event. You can check that out. All right, uh, the other thing we want to mention here before we get started is our high school labs at the Creation Museum. So we do offer in-person labs um, here at the Creation Museum on a variety of different subjects, which we're really Really excited about high school students have been loving these it really helps homeschool students get that hands-on component um, people often ask can we do them virtually but the whole point is it's hands-on so you have to come here for that um, but eventually we're yeah. hoping to have them down at the answer center as an intensive as well so people from out of state can come because yeah. these go over the whole year mm -hmm. and you do yep. some of these don't you Roger yeah this is a, a great resource I get to teach uh, currently right now I'm teaching the chemistry labs so we have 24 sessions where students can come in take their high school chemistry and do it in the hands-on sense. And if you can imagine, uh, equipping a chemistry lab just to have at home would cost thousands <laughs> of dollars right. worth of equipment. So we have the equipment available. Uh, we have electronic uh, equipment that we use, all types of uh, the glassware and everything that's expensive and hard to get a hold of, and all those chemicals that you just can't go buy at the drugstore. <laughs> the stuff that blows up. I have access to those things, yes. <laughs> I keep those in my safe cabinet, locked away, double locked. So a great opportunity for youth, uh, even kids, if you have students in public school and you want to take them out, this is every other week, basically, uh, for, for 12 weeks. We do a session in the fall and then continue again in the spring. And not to mention, don't you blow something up every class? No, that's a myth. <laughs> I, I don't blow something up every class. Every other do, class. Every other class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've also got our forensics, uh, which mm -hmm. is a big hit, and then right, biology, yeah. where they get to do all the dissections and those fun things. 
And then next year we're intending to add a physical and earth science that's aimed mm -hmm. at kind of the lower uh, physical uh, science aspects and earth science. So I'll be teaching part of that as well. Awesome. Very exciting. All right, so our first item here is our fluff item, our kind of our fun item as we get into the news. Uh, this one, non-uplets. Woman from Mali, which is in West Africa, gives birth to nine babies. Holy Wait, cow. So it's, At one it's time. It's not non-uplets, it's non-uplets. Non-uplets. Okay, so they're not uplets. I'm, I'm all confused. <laughs> nine of them, nine babies. Okay, so yes, this is an extremely rare case. The, I think the last case was in 1999, and before that, 1979, where sadly in both those instances, none of the babies survived. But in this case, all of the babies are doing well so far, though they do face a couple months in incubators, obviously in the NICU, because they were born at 30 weeks, sure. which is pretty early. But the mom, poor woman, she thought she was pregnant with only seven, and then they did the C-section, <laughs> and there were nine. Now you can so, imagine Somehow doing, the ultrasound tech mix, missed, doing an ultrasound you know, of Nine different babies inside there, and only counting seven. Baby A, baby B, baby C. No, wait, is that one A? Well, like trying to trace those heartbeats, oh like God. watching a rock concert, right? Yeah. All the different, all the sounds going on, all the things. Now, my wife and I did start out with twins, so we we're experienced with uh, multiples birth, and it was kind of interesting. Our ultrasound tech, the first time uh, we had our the first ultrasound was looking around and got this alarmed expression and said, oh, <laughs> and kind of alarmed us. And right, like, what's yeah. wrong? It's like, oh, there, no, not, no, there's just two of them in there. I found two. <laughs> and thankfully, that is all there were. We would have been glad for more, but two was a lot to <laughs> handle as our there's first. There's two. No, there's three. No, there's four. No, there's five. No, there's seven. And then the doctors, there was 10 doctors and 25 paramedics that did the C, that helped with the C-section to deliver these nine babies who were between 1.1 pounds and 2.2 pounds. Wow. So they're yeah. all just itty bitty. And that's not uncommon babies. in those types of high-risk pregnancies. Right, yeah. We had, uh, this was 20 years ago, I guess my twins will be 22 in November. So mm -hmm. even then we had a full team ready for each child because sure. they were born. Um, uh, Seth was just under five pounds and Allie just over five pounds. So yeah, teeny very, tiny. very tiny. But compared <laughs> to these, they were giants. They only <laughs> yeah. had to be in the hospital for a few days. These are looking at several months yep. uh, in incubators. And, and they're in a different there. country. The, the government had to fly them to Morocco to have the babies there because they needed such specialized care. So oh, the dad yeah. is home with their other daughter in Mali. And then the mom is with the nine babies in Morocco. So crazy. So yeah. Talk about a life change. I can't imagine. <laughs> no babies tonight. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, all right. This next one comes from uh, Britbart News. Christian Adoption Agency opposes interracial adoptions. So a couple of months ago on the show, we talked about Bethany Christian Services, which is one yep. of the United States largest um, Christian adoption agencies. And we talked about how they had decided to expand their adoption services to include LGBTQ couples in an attempt to help place more children with more families. Well, now they've come out against, and they're, they're saying they're hoping to have an overhaul of what's called the Multi-Ethnic Placement Act, which basically bars um, what's called racial discrimination in placing a child into an adoptive family. So you can't not place a child in a family just because of skin shade or, or something like that. Ethnicity, what they refer to as race, we're all one race, um, but ethnicity. And this Christian Adoption Agency wants to overhaul that because they say that... Um, allowing white families to adopt black children from the foster care system can cause a lot of harm to children of color. Yeah, and this is a very shocking trend. We've been using the term woke here on the program for quite a while, so if you've, if you've watched, you understand that. But it's this trend toward being so 
culturally astute that you actually wind up reversing yourself and accomplishing the opposite of what you're doing. Yeah. So here, yeah. with this form of critical theory being applied to racial issues, we see the this group is trying to say, we don't want white families to be raising black kids because there can be negative outcomes from that, is basically what they're saying mm -hmm. without yeah. putting it in those words. Mm -hmm. And as we think about that from a biblical perspective, uh, we don't understand that that's a category we should be speaking in. Now, mm -hmm. sadly, this group also came out in favor of homosexual adoptions yeah. and those types of things While recently. claiming to be Christian. While claiming yeah. to be Christian. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem that they have a true Christian foundation, a true biblical foundation. Mm -hmm. They've lost their mooring in those things. And as they continue to accept what the culture is telling them, mm -hmm. they're going to wind up um, shattering any of those biblical connections. Absolutely. And something to understand is that the ideology of critical theory is driving the modern movement of wokeism or social justice. Yep. And critical theory, in a nutshell, basically says there are oppressors and the oppressed in a society. And according to critical theory, in our particular society, critical race theory, it's the whites who are the oppressors and the minorities who are the oppressed. And so in critical theory, the, those who are Caucasian can't do anything but oppress, even with the best of intentions. So they're mm -hmm. suggesting, they're agreeing with the ideology that if a white, quote-unquote, couple adopts a, quote-unquote, black baby, then they are oppressing that child rooted in critical theory. Yeah. And by the way, critical theory basically says that the oppressors are morally deficient by default. Because just they, because of the shade of your skin. Just because of the shade of skin. They're literally mm -hmm. identifying a group of people by the shade of their skin. Wait a it's minute. utterly... Racist. Yeah. What, they, what they've called anti-racism has become racism in reverse. It is. And it's totally appropriate to acknowledge some of the cultural challenges that are going to come with mm -hmm. raising a child of a different ethnicity. We, we don't ignore that, but we understand those things and try to approach it from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. And we know from experience, even here on this panel, That's that right. we can have amazing outcomes from those things. Mm -hmm. Well, and mm -hmm. rooted in that biblical truth, if you're going to stand on the Bible, and be a Christian organization or practice a mm -hmm. Christian lifestyle as a Christian. According to God's word, we all come from Adam and Eve. That means how many races are there? There's one. Just There's one, one human mm -hmm. race. And so as we are thinking about being parents, we want to raise our kids in the culture of that truth, not denying different ethnicities in total, but in the mm -hmm. larger reality, there is just one race. And the most important reality, that every person either goes to heaven or hell. That's the eternal mm -hmm. reality that we're really focused on. We should be focused on in our culture, in our homes. And they're totally ignoring this. And they're actually literally, it's segregation. Yeah. They're basically saying you cannot adopt a child unless you have the same skin color or the same physical features. And as the author points out in the article, as you read through, if you can segregate in terms of adoption, why not have segregation in terms of dating? Segregated marriage, segregated right. schools and buses yeah. and hotels and water fountains. Where do you stop? It's literally Jim it's... Crow laws put back in place yeah. in the name of Christianity. Now, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get fired up about this for a couple of different reasons. <laughs> Personal, but also hopefully, more importantly, biblical Mm -hmm. These people are claiming to be Christians, and I can only implore them and their leadership. There's a word for you. Repent. Absolutely. Repent. Turn back mm -hmm. to God's word as your authority, stand on that as your foundation, and operate in light of that truth no matter the cultural consequences. And in that, God will be glorified. More babies will be adopted for his glory mm -hmm. in good homes in different ways. And so, and even foster care is another consideration here. Oh, absolutely. As well. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so, I mean, in a real sense, they make this point. Um, they're saying, okay, you can't adopt unless you look like the baby you're adopting. So if there's a black child who's in foster care or in an orphanage, 
if you're a white couple and you can adopt them, should you just let them languish there instead of helping them and giving to them? Right. I'm pretty sure in 1 James 1.27, it says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans unless they're not your skin color. Not what James says. Not at all. No. Right? And so we want to stand on biblical truth mm -hmm. on this issue. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jay brings up a, a great point here in the comments. So if a white family said they wanted only white kids, that would be racist. But an agency says that it's acceptable. Yeah. So there's so many point. double standards so that you have to standards. uphold in mm -hmm. order to uh, accept this view mm -hmm. that it becomes self-refuting. Any mm -hmm. ideology that's going to contradict itself at some point is going to wind up refuting itself. You're shooting yourself in the foot to make those types of claims. And it's very arbitrary too, because as Answers in Genesis has said multiple times, everyone is just a different shade of brown. So right. when they talk about black children and white families, how do you define that? Like if you, how right. back in the past does your ancestor who may have had a darker shade of skin need to be for you still to be black or you to be white? Like it's completely arbitrary because we're all one race. And so dividing people up into this group of people here and this group of people here is just completely arbitrary because everyone is one race and we're all just different shades of the same basic color, brown. So the whole thing is based on, on, on a really a racist premise that you can just look at someone and, and based on, oh, well, they, I think they have enough melon in their skin to be considered this. It, it's ridiculous. And it goes against ridiculous. good operational science because we have realized now studying the genome that every person on planet Earth is 99.9% .9 genetically identical. The differences between us are less than 1%, 0.1% of your DNA. We are one race. This mm -hmm. goes against science. It goes against the Bible. Again, the word I think is mm -hmm. repent. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's as nice as I can say all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we got some good news. We got some good news um, from Life News. I need some good news. news. This will be nice. <laughs> yes. 32 babies had surgery to fix spina bifida while still in the womb and are born healthy. So this is talking about a one, one particular hospital in Linden, England that has had since January 2020, has had 32 in utero surgeries where they actually do, like they, they cut open the mother and position the baby, do surgery on the baby, then stitch the mother back up. Baby continues to grow in utero and then is born. And they're, because of this, they're actually able to correct certain conditions, like in this example, spina bifida, before the baby's even born. So that instead of having different health issues, the baby's able to, in some cases, live a pretty normal life. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with this condition, basically during development, we get the, the neural tube where you think of the spinal column forming and then the other tissues wrap around that during development. But sometimes that doesn't fully close around the spine. Now you can have different degrees of closure and some that are very extreme cases where basically the, the spine winds up forming outside of the skin and, yeah. and that's the most extreme cases. Yeah. So when these can be found during ultrasounds, we can identify them, uh, look at those places and they've developed these surgical techniques to be able to close up those gaps and um, resolve this issue. Now, of course, there are gonna be varying degrees of success based on when they catch this and those mm -hmm. types of things. Yeah, it has but, been between 23 yeah. and 26 weeks Yeah, so we've got, a, we've got a window there to when those tissues uh, can be can be reconnected basically in the way that they would have normally developed. But we have to remember what's happening here. These doctors are taking something that is an effect of sin, part of the curse that's on the world mm -hmm. through sin, and they're correcting it. They're restoring those things back to God's idea of original creation and how they were in the beginning. So Fighting we can applaud this and it's a great yeah. thing. But there's mm -hmm. a bit of irony wrapped up in this whole story, isn't there, Brian? There really is. Now, first of all, let me say, I mean, the good news is the fact these babies have been helped mm -hmm. and it is amazing what the doctors can do, right? Amazing. It kind of reminds yeah. me, do you guys remember the picture years and years ago 
they're doing the surgery on the baby, and the baby stuck his hand out yeah, and got yeah, the yeah. thing of the doctor. Yeah. I don't know how old the baby was at that point. That was amazing. It reminds me of that. Uh, and so this is good news in and of itself, but the contradiction really is the same system that would say uh, operate on these babies to help them is the same system that would say, well, if you don't want the baby, you could abort it at the same time you're doing the operation. Is well, the what's, same age. what's the difference? Yeah. The, the only difference is the baby is wanted in this case. And so, so it's the okay to kill unwanted babies. That's the idea. But we should help and repair wanted babies. And that's the arbitrary definition of human value when man tries to define it. Yeah. In the biblical worldview, we all have inherent value from fertilization because we're mm-hmm. made in the image of God. And God knew us before mm-hmm. he formed us in the womb. So from a biblical perspective, we understand why every baby has that inherent value. But the secular system is totally inconsistent because they're basing their thinking on arbitrary standards, which is their own thinking. Mm-hmm. All right. This next one comes from Live Science. Pizzly bear hybrids are spreading across the Arctic thanks to climate Wait, change. Wait. You said pizzly? Pizzly? <laughs> I did. Or growler bears. It sounds made up. I love the name. <laughs> it's like a Disney movie. Right? Yes. So these are a hybrid between a polar bear and a grizzly bear. Um, so as climates are shifting, the ranges of polar bears and grizzly bears are starting to overlap more. Mm-hmm. And turns out because... They're part of the same created kind. They're actually able to breed and produce offspring that are believed to be fertile offspring. And so now people are seeing more and more of these these growler, these pizzly bears up north. Um, and they, you know, this they may be there to stay, is what these scientists are saying. Yeah. The first verified yep. case of this was back in 2006, and we've covered this in news articles in Canada. Yeah, yep. in Canada, Everything where all the weird, all the weird things come okay. from. <laughs> <laughs> so what so happens harsh. here is we get an overlap of um, the brown bear. They're in the the genus Ursus, and they tend to have a limit to their range that only goes so far north because of ice pack. Polar bears only go so far south because of ice pack. They like the ice pack, and so they don't tend to interact a lot. As those things have moved a little bit, those boundaries have moved, the grizzly bears head north where they can still find food. Mm -hmm. The polar bears are heading south looking (laughs) for new food sources when they can't get seals out on the ice. And they are able to interact that way. Mm-hmm. Now, typically, we think of a biological definition of species as something that has uh, a mating population that's isolated from something else. Mm-hmm. So we call the polar bears Ursus maritimus. Bless and you. The, no, maritimus, like maritime. Like <laughs> Stop, you sneezed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and Ursus arctos are the brown bears, yeah. uh, grizzly bears. And so as they overlap and they're able to mate and they've actually verified that they can produce fertile offspring, mm-hmm. and this just demonstrates how genetically close they are. But the, the article says <laughs> yes. they supposedly diverged. They, it says they diverged 500,000 to 600,000. So over half a million years ago, they supposedly diverged. And yet their DNA over half a million years of evolution has remained so that they can still interbreed with one another. That just boggles the mind, just that whole idea. It doesn't it's just really ridiculous. work biologically or genetically. It doesn't work biologically. No, there should be more change in half a million and years. And let's be really clear. This is not a polar bear evolving into a penguin. That's pizzly. That's not what's happening here, okay? No it's, penguins in the it's, Arctic. Exactly, right? It's just, yeah. hey, it's just bears being bears. Like I made them to They're part be. of the same created kind. Same created yeah. kind. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. no surprise in a biblical worldview that they can yeah. interbreed. If we put this on the biblical time scale of a few thousand years mm-hmm. since right. those, that bear kind came off the ark. And if you've been down to the ark encounter, we actually have a model of that, what we think that ark kind would have looked like that uh, gave rise to all the bears, whether that's uh, the sun bears or the polar bears or grizzly bears or black bears, all speckled, spectacled bears, all of these different different bears 
came from that same original kind. And mm -hmm. there's some degree of, of hybridization that can happen between all of them. So grizzlies and polar bears have remained so close that they can actually produce fertile offspring, where we wouldn't expect that with some of the others. Mm -hmm. And just be aware, the underlying narrative of a lot of the article, like so many of these scientific articles, is that this is caused by climate change, like everything else, and mm -hmm. it's bad. It's a canary in the coal mine, they said, mm -hmm. and, uh, which is not necessarily true. We expect speciation because of the biblical truth of created kinds. We expect fluctuations in the climate because mm -hmm. the world's not been here that long. There's a global flood that wrecked this world. So just be aware that that narrative of climate change is a very common mm -hmm. one, but not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. All right, coming again from live science, Earth's crust is way, way older than we thought. New Earth's continents have been leaking nutrients into the ocean for at least 3.7 billion years, new research suggests. So this is our weekly throw everything you knew about, <laughs> about this particular topic out. Here's the, the new story. Um, so this is talking about um, the age of the continents and trying to figure out how long have continents been on Earth. And this new study says they've misjudged the age of the continents by just a mere half a billion years. Hey, no big deal. 500 million years. Now, Roger, don't <laughs> the continents and don't fossils come with with labels on them saying how old they are? Um, Doesn't it work? I've, I've dug up a few fossils okay. and I don't remember <laughs> no ever tags, finding yeah. No tags, yeah. no so labels. So all of these, these things that they're doing, they're actually calculating, and, and the article suggests that, to calculate the age of continents, researchers study the decay of ancient chemicals trapped in rocks. Uh, typically in carbonate minerals recovered from the ocean. So here they're looking at a specific mineral called barite, it's barium sulfate, and it can have different, um, different elements incorporated into it as well, and we can extract those. So what they're doing here is they're saying that as the, as the continents rose up above the newly forming oceans, they would have weathered, and that would have run off into the ocean basins, mm -hmm. and then those elements that were on the continents would now be transported to the oceans, and we can look at the relationship of those at various places in the ocean and on the continents. And specifically, they're looking at strontium, two isotopes of strontium here, and comparing them to one another. But in order for all of that to work, what do you have to assume is true in the first place? You have to assume there were billions of years for these things to take place. That's right. You have to mm -hmm. assume that we started out with a, a water-covered Earth and then the continents rose up above that and that happened gradually at this uniformitarian pace, at the same pace throughout all of history, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So baked into all of that is all of those mm -hmm. assumptions. If any of those assumptions are wrong, what's gonna be true about your conclusions? They're gonna be wrong That's as right. well. And those assumptions at their core are anti-biblical. They reject yep. the biblical history that God made the world supernaturally by his word. They reject the biblical history. There was a global flood that affected a lot of these mm -hmm. sorts of things, the rates of decay possibly, of course, the continents and their makeup and the erosion into the ocean. They're assuming that history is not true. Mm -hmm. They're assuming the Bible is wrong. And so they're not being neutral. And as we often say, you can't be neutral. Either God's word yep. is your starting point or it's not. So whether you're talking no about neutrality. adoption and racism or <laughs> origins and earth history, yeah. Yeah. You can't be neutral. you got to stand on mm -hmm. one foundation or the other. Yeah, mm -hmm. and all of that in the light of uh, the idea that these um, elements can be examined and tested, we would agree 100% with the analysis that there's this much of this strontium right. isotope and this much of the other. That's repeatable, testable um, science that we can do in the present. That's operational science. But then when we take yep. that and try and interpret that evidence and look back in the past, mm -hmm. that's where we're going to find the, the importance of starting points. What view am I starting from? Mm -hmm. And that starting point is going to color the way you interpret that evidence. If anybody ever tells you facts speak for themselves, they're lying to you. 
all facts have to be interpreted and we use our worldviews to interpret those facts. And that's an that's important right. thing mm -hmm. to think about as we come to these. And you mm -hmm. mentioned half a billion years. So if the Just earth is only four years. plus billion years old and life has only been around on the earth for 3.7 billion years and we're adjusting that by half a billion, that's like 12% change. So we're gonna adjust the time scale of evolution by 12%. Big change. That's a big change. But they were absolutely sure before this observation of their age. Now they're absolutely sure post this observation of their new age. And yeah. it's a 12% difference? And it says it has, they, one of the scientists involved said, it has implications for the way that we think about how life evolved. So it it's changes right. what they think about that as well. Be, you have the wrong starting points, you're gonna to come to the wrong conclusions and you're to, they're constantly in flux, everything's always changing because they're interpreting everything wrongly because they're not starting with the, the right starting point. All right, this next one comes from Science Daily. Extinct horn crocodile gets a new spot in the tree of life. So, Roger, what's a horned crocodile? We'll start with now, that. Now, I got really excited when I saw this headline a week or so ago. I'm like, crocodile with horns, that's really cool. But it's really, it's really a little more subdued than that. So, uh, the bones Doesn't have, on, like, goat horns sticking no, on top of it. Like a crocodile with horns had to come from Australia. That's crested, what I was thinking. It had to be. Crested might be a better way to think about this. Unicorned crocodile. <laughs> think about the little bump that, that cool, is yes. over behind the back of a, an alligator or crocodile's eyes where they're... Uh, little top, the top of their head sits there, the squamosal bone there. In these specific crocodiles, they're kind of flared up, so they kind of look like horns or ears sticking up out of them. Uh, we don't have any living members of these today, so everything we know about this is from uh, mm -hmm. fossil specimens. But fleshing that out, you can imagine calling this a, a horned crocodile. And so they're talking, in this article is trying to figure out where they belong on the crocodile family tree. And so there's been, apparently, this is a very contentious issue, I was unaware of, but apparently either, it's yeah. a very contentious issue. Where these belong, are they true crocodiles, are they dwarf crocodiles, are they, where do they belong? And so they've done some genetic look, uh, work with them to try and figure out where on the crocodile family tree they actually belong. And they think they know now that they're true crocodiles and that's where they should be. So they're moving them onto so, a different branch of the tree. After all is said and done, crocodiles are crocodiles. Yep. But this one's really cool. It's got I mean, it is horns. Cool. <laughs> it's got quote unquote horns, yes. But really, it wants that's to create a gen genetic diversity within <laughs> yeah. a kind. And they, they often have a lot of trouble with trying to, like we talked about with the, with the pizzly bears, they have trouble with the, with the concept of species and right. trying to figure out which ones belong to which, which, one, which species and where because they don't have the proper starting point for understanding that's species it. in the first yeah. place and understanding yeah. them as part of the same created kind. And one kind will never turn into another kind, but a lot of diversity within a kind. And they have even yeah. reports from the Malagasy people of Madagascar, a large island found. off of, of mm -hmm. Africa, where they have described these types of crocodiles and the two different types of crocodiles that live together. And now there's only one or, or none in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And so we have really recent explanations of all of these things. Yet they're assuming that these things have uh, gone through different evolutionary phases over millions of years and adjusted those positions. And we have extinct crocodile types that we know about from the fossils throughout Africa, mm -hmm. uh, all over the continent. But 
really, when we get back to it, they're just trying to rearrange. They're cutting off this branch over here and moving it over here to try and make sense of these things, when indeed they're all part of the same tree. But we would argue that tree is the crocodilian tree, and they're all related to mm -hmm. one another. Uh, if you've been upstairs in the, in the starting points room here at the Creation Museum, you've seen our creation orchard idea, where each mm -hmm. tree has different branches with variation in it, but it's all part of one kind. And one tree, the crocodile tree, didn't come from the salamander tree. Okay? They're right, not yeah. related in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as Avery pointed out too, really their their struggle to try to classify these things just shows how faulty their starting assumptions are about right. what they're looking yeah. at. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. All right, this one comes from the Guardian. Big-brained mammals may just have small bodies. Study suggests. <laughs> so they looked at 1,400 living and extinct species and looked at their body size versus their brain size to try and, and then they concluded maybe bigger brains weren't the driving factor of evolution. Maybe it was adapting smaller body size so that the brains just look big because the body has evolved to be small. Yeah, so, so to those be more be evolved, two, yeah. it would be a smaller, smaller body, body with a bigger, bigger brain. brain. So Avery's more evolved than us? Apparently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never heard my body called small before. So I've said I had a big head. Lots of people tell me that. But. So when we think about this relationship between the size of something's brain and its body size, we've often talked about ratios of those things. If you think about a chimpanzee, the ratio of its brain volume to its body size, mm -hmm. and we compare that to a human, we see that humans have a much larger uh, ratio there. So we have bigger brains for our smaller bodies, comparatively. But in this question that they're proposing now, it's did that come about because brains got bigger or did it come about as bodies got smaller? And that's a legitimate question to ask from within their framework. But again, they're assuming those evolutionary relationships mm -hmm. between all of these organisms. And they surveyed 1,400 different living and extinct mammal species to try to examine this. And they supposedly are looking at, in their view, 150 million years of evolutionary time as they examine both the fossil uh, specimens of this and others. So they would take something, uh, if you've seen, again, if you've seen the Allosaurus fossil Ebenezer, you, we can do scans and look at its brain and how it's structured inside of it without ever disassembling the fossil. So you can do similar things with the mammal fossils we have. Mm -hmm. And that ratio, they're coming to, to question whether it was really the brains that got bigger or the bodies that got smaller and how that impacts our understanding of evolution. But unless you need an evolutionary understanding for those things, it's of little value as, as far as right. practical science goes. And yeah, what yeah. is that evolutionary understanding? I want to read to you very quickly what they say here. What caused the evolution of brains to get bigger? Well, two big events. One of them is the collision of the asteroid, according to them, that triggered a mass extinction of dinosaurs roughly 66 million years ago that caused a dramatic shift in brain sizes in mammalian species, such as rodents and bats, which quickly evolved to adapt to the new dinosaurian free habitat. And so that would be the good scientific evolutionary explanation that led to bigger brains. And I think this sentence summarizes well this whole article and many of the things we covered. This scientist, he says, and I agree wholeheartedly, this study exemplifies the dangers of our own biases in interpreting the natural world. Yes, absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. This last one here comes from the New York Times. I was honestly kind of hoping we'd run out of before we got <laughs> we, Sorry, we still have two minutes, so we got to do this one. Uh, From best friends to platonic spouses. Yeah. So this is talking about apparently a growing trend of people who 
have best friends that they're very close with and decide to marry them and enter into platonic marriages to enjoy the stability that marriage brings and the legal benefits that being married brings for like taxes and stuff like that. Um, and so they can create a family without being physically involved. Yeah. So there's a there's a wide variety of sexual orientations described in here. All throughout yeah. the article, it's like that, pansexual, <laughs> demisexual, asexual, aromantic. Yeah, so, anything yeah. other than heterosexual. Yeah, yeah. thinking about Pretty those much. relationships. And really what we see here is a redefining of culture mm -hmm. as we understand it. But if you think about the word culture, culture is simply a reflection of the, mo the majority view inside of that culture. Mm -hmm. The cultus is the, the major driving in influence there. So in the past, in the Western world and in places like the UK and Canada and America, we've had a Christian influence that was very strong inside of that mm -hmm. culture. And we understood marriage to be a beneficial part of society because it produced uh, children and they could be trained up in, in godliness and, and moral mm -hmm. living. Now, often that was just a mere moralism and things that gave us a good outcome but for those Christians who were truly doing those things and training their children in righteousness, we wound up with offspring who were godly offspring, just like Malachi tells us is the purpose of marriage. Sure. So here, these mm -hmm. people are redefining marriage as simply a, a legal benefit, or mm -hmm. it's said that historically this was only an economic relationship of marriage. I don't remember reading in the Bible about an economic <laughs> no. advantage no. to uh, marriage. One of the things that, that yeah. as you read through this article, you see that in order for them to adopt this idea of platonic spouses, you have to get away from what the Bible says about what marriage is. Because as each of these people give their reasons for why they Sorry. want to be in this relationship with their bestie, it's because, well, they like, you know, this one person, this one at the very end, I thought was, it was, a, was really on, showed what they think. Isn't the point of marriage to marry your best friend? So why can't it be your literal best friend? But that is not the purpose of marriage. That is right. not why God created marriage. He didn't create marriage for you to marry your best friend. Or they talk in here about how now we think about marriage as something that meets all of our needs, our physical, our emotional, all of our needs. Well, that's not what God created marriage to be for mm. either. If you think your spouse yep. is going to meet all of your needs, you're in trouble. apart from God, you're in trouble. You're going to have not a gonna failed work. marriage. <laughs> my wife is wonderful, godly woman. I love her. I would think of her as one of my best friends but she can't meet all of my needs. She can't die for my sins. She can't yeah, give exactly me right. encouragement like the Holy Spirit can. Mm -hmm. She can't offer me hope like the Father can. I need to look to God for those things. And these people mm -hmm. without a view to God are finding idols. Mm -hmm. They're finding false yeah. things, just right. like we read about in Romans yeah. 1. Marriage isn't just some kind of relationship that confers some kind of legal benefit and just makes you happy. God designed it. If you read through Genesis, when God creates marriage in Genesis 2.24, he brings one man and one woman together and they become one flesh. And that is totally missing in these articles. It's about, well, I my, my romantic relationships aren't very stable, but I want a family. So I married my best friend, so we have a stable family. Then I can just date on the side and it doesn't matter if it's stable because I don't need that. I've got this person that fulfills that role. But that is not the one flesh union that God describes in Genesis. And then in the New Testament, we get that flesh out even further in Ephesians right. 5, for example, where marriage is an example of Christ and the church and yep. our relationship. It is not two best friends. Yeah. It's Christ and the church. And so these people, they just, they've bought into the culture's lie about what marriage is. It's just some kind of convenient thing instead of what the Bible describes it to be. And it being this incredible union that's a truly one flesh and is yeah. different from all of 
all of the relationships we experience. Well, and based on what you just said from God's word, we as Christians can say lovingly and yet boldly, marriage is one man, one woman for mm -hmm. life. Why? Because the God who made marriage, he made it that way and he defines yes. what it is. Anything other than that is not technically marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the only hope to be um, drawn out of these types of traps and these lies and these, these systems of thinking is to have your mind renewed through the gospel right. of Christ. Absolutely. And that's Amen. what we need mm -hmm. to be reaching out to people like this in our communities with is the hope of the gospel to renew your mind and to conform you into the image of Christ right. as we're, we're taken from death to life through that mm -hmm. process. And Amen. we can't leave that out of all of these things when we get caught up in these cultural discussions. It's not just about, ooh, that's gross, ooh, that's weird, ooh, the Bible says no. It's about, let me show you hope in Christ mm -hmm. to overcome all of these things. Amen. Absolutely. To that's find a... true satisfaction, not idols. Absolutely. Great place to end on. We're out of time for today, but the Answers News team will be back again on Monday, so please join us again then. All right, God See bless. See you guys.